Hello and welcome to Tea and Chat, the British English podcast that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Yet again, we have another interview today. I am so excited to introduce today's guest. She is a very advanced speaker of English, so much so that she teaches English herself. So today we're going to be talking about all things uh, regarding learning English and also our advice to you. So hopefully you enjoy this conversation between two English teachers. And remember, there will be more interviews coming soon. So without further ado, I'll let her introduce herself. Hello, Anna, and welcome to Tea and Chat. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I would love if you would start by introducing yourself a little bit. Um, hi, my name's Anna, and I'm a teacher from Barcelona and Currently, I teach English, so I'm trying to improve my English. So how long have you been studying English for? Um, I think about 10 years, not more than that, more, maybe 20 years. Yeah, I forgot how old I am. <laughs> yeah, more 20, 20 years, maybe. Yeah, that sounds closer. Okay, okay. Like actually since, since primary school. Okay. So do you think like your journey of learning English has changed a lot during that time? Like sometimes you're focusing on it more and like yeah. school maybe you don't focus so much or, or were you a good student? <laughs> no, I was a good student. But I think what makes a difference is having interests um, that align with the things you're learning. So during school, I liked English. But I didn't really have any hobbies, mm-hmm. English, English related hobbies. But I think I really improved when I started, like watching British YouTubers and stuff like that. Was watching British YouTubers like your main source of like studying English? Yeah, I think that's where it came from. And then I started watching like films in English and TV series and stuff and reading in English, even like comics and stuff. Yeah, not just British YouTubers, but YouTube in general. I started to get into YouTube and watch things in English like content in English and I think uh-huh. that's online I, yeah I think that's where I started like having an interest a real interest because otherwise it was okay. just like before it was just passing the exams and nothing really mm. yeah nothing more okay it's a really good point you made so do you think that someone I know we're kind of like going straight in <laughs> about <laughs> English but we might as well so do you think someone can learn English if they don't have like a real interest? Well, I think it's it's really, it's a tricky question. I mean, you, you can learn the contents that the teacher tells you to learn, but I think in the long run, it's not gonna, it's not gonna stick. It's like, I think it's, school in general is like that, which is why it's very frustrating to be a teacher because usually I think motivation is like the most important thing. And I could say the same for maths and stuff. Like, of course, the students are going to learn something. But if they don't really have an interest or maybe not like having a real interest, but friends from the other countries or like from other countries, or I don't know, a boyfriend or girlfriend, that's like the real way of learning mm. the language. So do you encourage like pen pals? Did you have a pen pal growing up? Well, 
not really, but like I, uh, but I wasn't a teenager, but I used to write on um, online communities. Okay. So if I had, say I had an interest, so I would find people with the same interests and usually there were like dedicated spaces where you could talk yeah. about it, which I wouldn't like directly advise people to do because it could be dangerous, especially if you're like a yeah. teenager. Because, you know, do not trust people on the internet. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I mean, like, obviously, I'm on Instagram and I see, like, a lot of communities on there and people setting up, like, WhatsApp groups so they can, like, message each other. And I guess if they're making, like, friends that way, it's kind of, like, encouraging each other, right? So it, it can be a good thing for yeah, adults. Yeah, it can be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or if you're really responsible and, like, know that, are aware that there are people who are not going to, be nice to you and things like that like I don't know I wouldn't as a teenager yeah. I wouldn't like if I had a teenage child wouldn't let them complete be completely free on the internet I would be scared okay so I think as long as they are responsible maybe yeah I like that we've got into like an internet online safety <laughs> discussion <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's worth mentioning definitely <laughs> I mean, because I teach teenagers, I'm really, I'm always concerned that they think that no one's gonna, I don't know, that no one's gonna try anything weird. There are lots of weird people. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I mean, um, you always have to be wary of these things. Um, I just want to say so far, people are probably listening to you, Anna, and people probably realize that you do sound very good when you speak English. Um, <laughs> you've already, oh, okay. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> you've already used like a nice variety of, um, of expressions and your pronunciation, it's quite natural. So people are probably thinking, wow, how, how did she do that? But like you said, it's it's been like, 10 or 20 years or so it wasn't it wasn't always like this right like at what point would you say that like there was a big mm, or what what point would you say you felt really comfortable maybe speaking to a native or, or more comfortable speaking to a native um I've never been shy so I never like it was a kind of kind of kid at school that would raise their hand and try and answer anything so I I have always been comfortable but even if my level wasn't good I I always tried but now I think for maybe three four years I've been more comfortable and I'm also I have been teaching English I think for three years here in Barcelona yeah so that that's when I I would say I became more comfortable also because I had to do it as a teacher yeah yeah you have to be confident in your skills (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I saw again another teacher posting on Instagram today, you know, the the key question that everyone wants to know, like how long does it take to learn a language or how long does it take to learn mm. English? And the post, she was just saying, you know, it's all about you and the amount of work and effort that you put in. And I just clicked on the comments and the first comment I saw was saying, yeah, but like, what about for a normal person? What is the average time? And I'm like, no, you don't get the point. <laughs> no. There is no normal time. Every single person is different. Like you said, yeah. people are quite 
um, confident to just like start speaking or put raising your hand. And obviously that's a great way to be in when you're learning anything in school. It's mm-hmm. like you're really interested and active in learning language. Um, but not everyone's like that. And yeah, so yeah. you can't generalize like that. Um, but I, I know there'll be people listening thinking, oh, how long did it take her to, to speak like that? You know, um, so it's but one of those. The thing is, it wasn't in one go. So like when I was at school, I liked English, but it wasn't really. I mean, I just liked it. All right. And yeah. like I like spe- I liked speaking if I had the chance. And because kids are usually shy. Like I could talk to a teacher a lot, so I liked it. But then I I went to uni and I stopped, and maybe I stopped for maybe I don't know, six years or something like that. Around that time, mm-hmm. I really kind of stopped. So it's like it's probably not going to be in one go. Whatever language you're trying to learn, yeah. I think it's going to depend on your experiences and like your working field and mm-hmm. I don't know, like the friends you make or the interests mm-hmm. you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all of my students are in completely different situations. Um, but yeah, sometimes maybe they set themselves a goal of like, by next year, I want to be proficient, mm. you know, and if they're not well, proficient yeah. by that time, then they get really disheartened, and they just kind of want to give up altogether, you know, mm. um, which isn't, I-, <laughs> I can understand it can be disheartening to not, you know, reach your goals all the time, but you have to be yeah, a bit realistic. Yeah, exactly. I would say I would not advise people to like set really strict goals, like mm. and really all or nothing. Like just try, just try and keep trying. I think yeah. that's what makes more sense. And like I would say, the goals you set should be something to encourage you, not to like yeah. make you give up. So I know some people like to be very ambitious because some people think, okay, I'm gonna aim for like the highest goal. just in case then like if if I can go like midway that's fine but if people think like in a very all nothing way I would say just relax (laughs) especially if it's not work related like if at work you are expected to have a certification like in six months okay then you can freak out but (laughs) it's if you're just I don't know spending your time just be happy yeah, I would say that 100%. Like you said, when it's work-related, maybe you can have that kind of mindset. Uh, Business-related, you know, you want to set these kind of personal goals in terms of your work. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think it works so well for language learning because it's it's a journey and you just got to keep going on that journey. Mm-hmm. You don't just get off the path at any point because even if you, you do become um, a proficient or advanced speaker like yourself, you still kind of need to keep it up. You know, if you just stop now, it's yeah, not yeah, gonna, exactly. you're not going to keep the level that you're at if you just decide to stop, right? Oh, exactly. In two years, I would go back to a B2 level, probably. Like, yeah, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just something to keep in mind. Don't be disheartened. I, I wanted to mention that, especially it's a, a new year. People will be setting their goals um, for language learning as well. So just keep that in mind when you're doing that. So, Anna, you speak English, you speak Spanish. Do you speak any other mm-hmm. languages? I speak Catalan, which is my first language. But other than that, um, well, I learned like a bit of German, but I could only say like two sentences <laughs> now. So. And same for Japanese. I could maybe say two sentences in Japanese. And maybe Korean. And that's it, really. <laughs> and maybe Korean too. Like maybe two sentences in Korean. 
Uh, but that's it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And um, what is Catalan? Because I'm sure not everyone knows that language. Yeah. Uh, so Catalan is a language um, that is spoken in, in an area called Catalonia, which is, well, in English it's called Catalonia. It's part, part of Spain and it's, um, well, it's the area around Barcelona. It's a region, really. Mm -hmm. And the language is um, similar to Portuguese, to Italian, to Spanish. So it comes from Latin. And actually, here where I live, everyone speaks the two languages, Catalan and Spanish. Depending on the area, mm -hmm. one of the two is more prominent, we could say. Like, a lot of people speak one language, and maybe the other is, like, the second language. And in other regions, it's the opposite. Yeah. Usually around in yeah. the area around Barcelona, people tend to speak more Spanish than Catalan, and in rural areas, it's it's the opposite. Okay. But yeah, we have like okay. there's like a channel in Catalan. There are books. Like it's the language has a really old history. Like there's a literature. Literature? Oh, like books in Catalan? Yeah. You mean? Like the whole discipline, yeah. yeah like in, if you study Spanish literature, you ha you have like a set of authors and yeah, and books, and it's the same for Catalan. You can go back to the Middle Ages mm -hmm. and start mm -hmm. studying all the authors and stuff. That's that's super super interesting <laughs> because you know Spanish, mm. besides besides English, is one of the most widely yeah, spoken. Yeah, I mean especially in the world. because. So, uh, has, but people um, people might not be aware um, there's more than just Spanish. <laughs> not nowadays, but it used to be. And even nowadays, I think not a lot of people outside maybe the south of Europe know it exists. So, well, this is a bit tricky, but yeah, throughout history, um, Gazalan hasn't really had um, the same like standard as Spanish. So, even nowadays, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Kind of like the same rights, almost. Oh, no, no, it's, it's a completely well, different thing. It's like French and like Italian, Portuguese. <laughs> but I know Spanish, what you mean. Maybe, I don't know how, how to say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there okay, are, if you want to learn. Like, Skill, yeah, language, if you want to move to Barcelona, general, I think it's a bit it's more unique. I don't know how he speaks Arabic, but Mostly maybe because if you people want to are going to be very happy <laughs> seeing <laughs> other people idea. make the effort. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's always nice. You've got to speak the, the native language to where you are. I try a little bit of Spanish for fun, you know. I'm still taking Spanish lessons, but... In terms of like setting goals, like what we were saying before, I don't set myself like these huge, <laughs> huge unachievable goals because for me, I feel like I'm quite young and I have my whole mm. life ahead of me. So if I just have like, you can't yeah. really have too much fun with a language. What I mean by that is if you want to improve, you do have to be a little bit serious. You know, you can't just yeah. watch TV day in and day out and, and think that you're going to be fluent at the end of it. I mean, that's a... That could be good for you. You know, if you do something to such a high extent, then yeah, it's going to obviously impact. But if you're mm -hmm. like super relaxed with it and only <laughs> see it as like a hobby, like I do, 
then you can't expect like a huge improvement. But like, I'm just like, well, I'm still young. I have my whole life ahead of me. And, you know, as long as I kind of do a little bit here and there and keep it up, you know, there'll be a gradual change. And then one day when I feel like I have the time, I can actually work on what I already have. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you, you can always pick it up after some time. I mean, you you will probably have to refresh a lot of things. But I think yeah. regardless, I mean, I agree with you that just watching TV is not going to like make a huge difference. But I think it's a good thing regardless, even if uh, like yeah. as maintenance, so to speak, like just to yeah. keep the level and to like to avoid forgetting everything because if you have no contact with the language then you are for sure gonna forget everything which nowadays yeah. doesn't really happen because you have youtube you have netflix and stuff like that so it's way yeah. easier than say like 15 years ago to keep hearing things in the language you're learning definitely because like i even told you before when i was watching a couple tv shows in spanish and I just felt like afterwards, like, oh, I didn't really do much, you know, just by watching TV. I felt like it was such a lazy way to learn Spanish, if I'm being honest. But the moment I stopped watching TV, like, I haven't watched a Spanish show in a couple months, you really notice the difference. Because, like, when mm. I was listening to the people on the Spanish TV show, I would, like, understand um, a large amount of what they were saying. And then when I went to my Spanish class, I'd feel a lot more confident even just trying mm -hmm. to make sentences. Even though I had, like, no idea what I was saying, I had, like, the confidence to be like, well, I heard them, you know, it's like I heard them say it like this, so I can do it too if I understood yeah. what they meant. But um, now it's like now when I go to even say simple sentences in my classes again I'm kind of like really nervous and I'm like oh mm. I like you know just kind of that panic sets in where you're start worrying about where you start worrying about everything like grammar and it's it's if you start you know overthinking yeah. things like that it's not gonna help you <laughs> so yeah <laughs> obviously having a lot of um input even if it's passive even just like listening practice of course mm. in general it's always good. It totally got off on a rant there. But like, you're an English teacher. So I suppose this is kind of like, <laughs> what we're going to be talking about today. Um, but you are, yeah, you're a kind of a traditional teacher in the classroom. You said you teach teenagers. What would you mm -hmm. say is like the best point or the best part of teaching teenagers and the worst part of teaching teenagers? Oh, the best part? Um... Well, I don't really know. <laughs> Let me think. Uh, it, I just like it. I mean, I don't really think that's like the best part. I like it. I think it keeps me connected to what's happening nowadays. And I really like teaching in general. So I think I would like teaching people regardless of age. Okay. But I think I, I get on well with teenagers compa compared to primary school kids. I don't, okay. I don't know why, really. And... So yeah, I just like teaching in general. And the worst part would be, I think, it's the discipline, keeping them mm, quiet and stuff like that. But yeah. I think experience plays a really important part in that regard when it comes to discipline. Mm -hmm. And I've, like, I've noticed I started teaching maybe five years ago. And mm -hmm. Now I'm really comfortable. I'm, I'm really settled, I feel like. So I think... Mm -hmm. Discipline comes with experience. Yeah, that's But if good. you like teaching, if someone likes teaching, like, give it a go. Because all the positives, like, 
um, more than the negative, so it's going to be all right. Okay. Would you say it's quite difficult to get the students engaged with the language? Yeah, but I think that's the same for every subject, really, because we live in a, well, it didn't used to be like that when I was a teenager, because like if I wanted to watch TV and watch a series, I, I had to wait yeah. until it was on. So, but now there's like a sense of, I want to have this and I want to have it now and I don't want to wait for it. And I think this has like extended to everything and it's way more difficult to like have a sense of discipline. Also in terms of like, yeah, like waiting for things and like having things as rewards is like, it's a bit more difficult. So keeping them engaged, I think it's way more difficult because they have like lots of inputs that they didn't used to have well that my generation didn't used to have I'm I'm 30 now and and I think that plays a role in that and also it's the same old story that no one likes (laughs) going to school like very few people like going to school and it's quite difficult but I think with English it's not it's not the worst because you can make it fun sometimes I mean it cannot be fun all the time because then they're gonna think they're just playing so it has to be serious but it can be a a bit fun sometimes like there are lots of um resources to make things fun and play games and even teenagers like playing games so I think it's worse with other subjects like math no I mean I understand where you're coming from 100% in terms of talking about having short attention spans because yeah that's exactly I I see it in myself and it's terrible (laughs) you know with the increase in technology it seems there's a decrease in our attention spans and Hmm. um, I mean we were just talking before this about watching YouTube and I've been watching YouTube for about 10 years now. And when I used to watch a video, you know, I'd hit play and I'd watch it. I'd, I wouldn't want to miss a second of it. And I'd do that. And I would, I was like that for a few years. And then it got to a point where I just had to skip to the part, the important part. I couldn't mm. watch like the first, I can't now. I can't watch like the first two minutes. If they start kind of rambling, I get bored and I switch to the next video. Like I always have like five videos mm that I'm kind of flicking between because my attention span has gotten so bad. And I know it, I know it's like a terrible thing. And um, even the idea of watching a movie, unless it's in the cinema, but mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't know. I just hate it. I completely understand. <laughs> and it happens to me as well. And like, we are used to having like 20 tabs open and yeah. switching and like, we that idea of just sitting and doing one thing for two hours is no longer it's so difficult it sounds really boring right now and it happens to me so I understand and and they have their phones actually the phones are like the use of phones in school is like a really mm, good discussion I mean some people are in favor some people are against I don't think there's a clear answer but Phones can be really good, but they can also be really bad because at least at my school, they can have their phones for certain activities, which I agree with. And I use the phone like quite a lot, but they also ask you to let them listen to music. And it's like, it's like, no, why do you want to listen to music? We're in class. So like the standards has completely changed um, compared to when I was a student. And it hasn't been that long because I, I was studying 
my students are studying 15 years ago. So Yeah, I remember when they, they introduced like iPads into my school and I just knew it was like a bad idea. Like I understand there are benefits for looking things up uh, before they would take you to the computer room and you'd have to do your research. So it'd be like mm. a research day. But now you could just easily pull out your iPads and everyone around me wasn't using the the iPad for the purpose that was intended. And I just felt like yeah googling something in lesson it just didn't feel I don't know how to say but like like productive organic yeah I don't know yeah yeah yeah. I wasn't I didn't care to google about this subject that I like my teachers just brought up for the first time related to like chemistry or biology I'm like I don't want to google this like that's not what I would look up (laughs) this is kind of like going off on a tangent but yeah I don't know it's one of those debates but um I mean even my fiance, he's a he's a few years older than me, right? And he he uses technology all the time, obviously. But he'll go mm-hmm. to me in the evenings. He'll say, "Do you want to watch a TV show or a movie?" And always I say TV show, and he's like, "Why don't you want to watch a movie? Why do you never want to watch a movie?" Blah, blah, blah. Too long. And I'm like, I mean, I can, but it's like it's like torture. And he's like, "No, I'm not going to force you." But I'm like. I mean, I, I can watch him if you really, really want to. Like, but it's it's really difficult. And even during that time, I find it difficult not to like just pull out my phone and like scroll through yeah. Instagram or whatever. And it's like, oh, my it happens God. to me. It's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely not a good thing. But it's it's like this with everything, and we have like we have become used to that, and we don't really see it as a weird thing. But it is really weird. Yeah. That, in a few years this has happened plus and that's related to teaching another thing that's happened is that the spanish to english or catalan to english translators have improved a lot which makes my job really difficult which means i cannot like give them assignments uh to do at home because um, i know they're gonna just copy Mm, that's so what the translator says that that's really that's really uh frustrating because like maybe five years ago the translators weren't that good. So even if they copied the direct translation, it wouldn't be like a super yeah. good mark. But now they're really sophisticated, like honestly. And that also that's also difficult for us teachers. It means we have to limit the time where they write to the class. So yeah. and even then it's really difficult to monitor all the students and make sure none of them is like copying hiding the phone like yeah cheating yeah it's quite that yeah I wanted yeah 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 exactly I wanted to say that because it's also one thing that new technologies and phones have brought into the classroom it's really interesting I remember in school yeah my Spanish teacher would be like don't use google translate and I can tell because it's terrible anyway blah 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 so we were like so you know we we were we were fearful of using translate to some extent because we knew that she'd be able to tell because it it was quite poor still um so yeah I guess if if you can't even tell and (laughs) they could just get away with it well no I can tell I can tell because their their English it becomes proficient Uh, like honestly their English is better than mine and I'm like I know you haven't written that so this is why I don't do it anymore because like in maybe five years the quality of the translations have improved a lot and I know they haven't written that because I know how they write yeah when they have no access to phones but because I cannot prove it I should like I would be forced to grade them 
as if they had written that. So that's why I avoid the whole thing mm. and just do writing activities in class. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You have a good strategy, Dan. <laughs> what like difficulties would you say there are specifically for Spanish speakers learning English? Like, what other big? Mm. I would say pronunciation is the biggest deal here and yeah being able to form sentences and well if it's just the thing is the problem we have is um books I think that's that's the same in like all the languages books are just fill in the blanks exercises and really like artificial activities Mm -hmm. and translating that like that into actual knowledge and actual ability to form sentences is really difficult and that's one thing, like some kids are good at filling blanks, but really bad at forming sentences. And also that's just one thing, and also pronunciation is really different. Like Spanish and Catalan pronunciation is really different from English. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that historically hasn't been really considered. Like teachers would just ignore the pronunciation aspects that's of things. True. and. Yeah. Yeah, and focus on grammar and vocabulary yeah. and sometimes it was because the teachers themselves didn't feel confident or comfortable yeah. mm-hmm. like dealing yeah. with pronunciation mm-hmm. yeah so I, I would say that these are the two biggest difficulties yeah. I'm really big on pronunciation and you're supposed to do it consistently from the beginner stage right mm-hmm. um, whereas some people think mm-hmm. well I guess the old way of thinking is that you would just start it once you get to like advanced or upper intermediate and that's yeah. a really bad idea because it, it does take yeah I think that's that's a mistake yeah it does take a long time to, to kind of pick it up and and you should be doing it consistently throughout um but that's kind of a reason why I always like to distinguish the difference between accent and pronunciation my students always say what's the difference Rebecca it's, it's the same <laughs> like why do you keep saying it's different yeah. and I'm like they are very connected, but I like to distinguish the difference. I want to make sure from the beginning that you are pronouncing things correctly, but I'm not looking for you to be speaking in a British mm-hmm. accent from the beginning. Do you know what I mean? And some yeah, people, um, they, they never are interested in even getting like a full British accent. But as long as their pronunciation is fine, maybe you can still hear little twangs of the accent in what they're saying. But the main thing is that the person can understand you. And if your pronunciation is bad, then a native speaker is not going to understand you. But if your accent is from another mm-hmm. country, they'll still be able to understand you. Do you know what I mean? To some extent. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I just like to differentiate yeah, I mean, it. Like accent is is optional and that's when you are proficient and you decide, okay, I really want to like nail this down, like nail down my pronunciation and get into all the details of it. But just like general pronunciation, pronunciation should be learned from the beginning yeah I agree I completely agree with you and I think like not paying attention to pronunciation is really bad because then you learn things the wrong way like you learn how to say things in a way that no one says and like you go to a foreign country and no one understands you and that happened to me at first like when I started learning English and now I try like I try to tell my students that it's really really important that they try and pronounce things um, the right way like as you said not not trying to sound British or American mm-hmm. or whatever but like for example for Spanish speakers I think one of the biggest difficulties are like vowel sounds because Spanish only has five vowel sounds 
And we tend to, like, if we see an A written down, we pronounce it the way we say it in Spanish. So, for example, walked, students say walket. So it's like when, when they say walket, they have like it, they have it ingrained and it's really, really difficult to say, oh, it's not walket, yeah. it's walked. And that, that's the things I try to emphasize, like, because usually I say it like, as I think it's the correct way, it might not be, but like I try to say it with the correct pronunciation and they repeat the same thing they were saying. Mm. So it's like once they have heard it, maybe like they were five or six years old and someone said it the wrong way, then it, it kind of sticks and it's really difficult to change. So it's it's also quite frustrating. And even just starting right there, like you said, at the, at the basics with the vowels, um, just making the students understand why it's different. Do you know what I mean? Because if mm. you just correct them on pronunciation like okay sure they might pick it up but it's a lot more difficult if they if they understand like for example oh the, the mistake you're making is with the vowels or the mistake you're making is with ed at the end of sentences mm-hmm. because this is how we pronounce it in english and this is how you do it etc then they can have a better understanding because vowels it's actually like the the key to to pronunciation across many languages um because mm-hmm. vowels are pronounced differently in different languages and um different accents kind of make change that sound slightly um but mm-hmm. I say that students are like wait really I didn't know that like some it's so, so simple and it's like you just start at the vowels you know it's like teaching the alphabet to to babies yeah. you know it's like, <laughs> here's the alphabet and then let's go from there here's the vowels for the sounds and let's go from there do you know what I mean so yes, have a yeah, bit of I it. think that's really important hmm. I think it's important that they have a reference. So, for example, if they have a sound and they they have, okay, this is the sound, this is the exam, example word. So, okay, this sounds like this, or walk sounds like horse. So they can compare it yeah. to one word. I think yeah. that's important. Yeah, yeah, using different word pairs and things. Yeah, there's so many different techniques as well that can make it enjoyable, that can make it fun and make it a little bit more easier to understand. Um, Mm -hmm. So keeping everything that we've said in mind, what would Mm -hmm. you say is your number one piece of advice for people learning right now? Because we've we've gone through a few different things about watching uh, TV shows, making sure you're you're very interactive with the language, and we're discussing like pronunciation and importance of it. But just for someone who's maybe a little bit lost right now, Mm -hmm. they don't know what do they're just kind of stuck in a rut maybe um what advice would you give to them well my advice would be find a hobby that involves the language could be a hobby could be an interest something and then everything will become easier so try and find something that interests you outside of of class yeah and then following what the teacher says and doing homework and reading in the language is going to become easier naturally Mm-hmm. so that's I mean it sounds it's a bit lame <laughs> but that's oh, what I would say really it's not lame because <laughs> I have obviously a lot of my students are adults right and so which is different to you but because a lot of them are adults they are learning for work and they're learning for business purposes and so they just feel like they are being forced to learn English mm. you know, they don't really want to do it they're doing it because they want to improve their career or because their boss told them to do it but they don't really want to do it so outside of lessons they're not doing like any practice whatsoever because they don't 
they haven't found the enjoyment. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They haven't yeah, found yeah, absolutely. That and that's that's a big problem. A lot of my students, you know, that's the case for them. They are just doing this to to further their career, but they they just see it as like, oh, I have to go to lesson or I have to have a teacher and okay, I'll mm-hmm. just I just have to do this for my job. But they're not seeing the other side of it where like, okay, this could actually be something quite fun. Um quite enjoyable and how how could I make it so for me personally like how can I how can I personalize English to be enjoyable for me kind of yeah I would I, th- I think that's that's the key actually I have a student um who hates English but she she likes k-pop I like k-pop too and because I know that how it works I know that all the videos tend to be uh, tend to have subtitles, and I told her, okay, just do the same thing, the same thing you're doing, but instead of watching the Spanish subtitles, reading the Spanish subtitles, do it in English. And she did, and bit by bit, she like she actually improved. That's so, a really uh, good it's idea. Not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's not. I mean, there's no mm, magical solution. So, and anything I said, it's not going to be the be all end all solution. But I yeah, think yeah. finding Finding something you like besides going to class is the key to success in that regard. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So that's a perfect example. Her hobby was listening to K-pop and you just gave her a way to incorporate English into that. So that's mm-hmm. a good example. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think... Well, it did work. It did work, so I'm yeah. happy. Yeah, it sounds like, why not? It does sound like a great idea. And that's it. Everybody has different interests. And, you know, even if you are studying for work purposes, just try and make it into a hobby too. Make it something that's enjoyable um, and that works for you. Personalize it. That's the key. (laughs) There's no one set textbook way of learning a language, despite, despite the traditional mindset, like you said, of just filling in blanks and uh, filling answering exercises and stuff it's it's not the way you can personalize it to however you want so whatever works for you find the best technique because we can't tell you that (laughs) you need to find out for yourself (laughs) okay um i hope that was good advice you definitely are good at giving like better at giving advice than me i think Um, but thank you so much, Anna. Um, I know. Thanks for having me. I know we're just talking about teaching in English, but hey, it's nice and informative for the listeners. Um, you gave a lot of great advice, so I'm sure they can take it all on board. So that's all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was very, very fun to record. And I have another interview with uh, another English teacher, but a native speaker, a native Canadian speaker coming shortly soon also so make sure to stay tuned for that we've got lots more good things to come here for season two of tea and chat and until next time have a lovely lovely weekend